I want to take a spin off of our president's campaign theme, campaign theme on making America great again. I think his definition of great is very important. What is he saying when he says, let's make America great again? The dictionary says that great is more than ordinary or a bunch above average. I think also his reference to great should be important and considered is his reference secular moral, economic, militarily, or spiritual. What are we saying? And what are we tuning into when we hear our president or someone else by way of the media saying we need to make America great again. Well, I was kind of under the impression that we are above the usual. I would say that we're probably above the ordinary. If you don't believe me, go south a few miles and you'll see below ordinary. Go north a few miles and you'll want to come back to above ordinary. So I think the interpretation, the understanding of what they're saying, because America has the greatest military in history. I don't know another superpower other than Russia who is no longer a superpower that has the elements of destruction like America does. America not only has the greatest military in history, America has the richest economy in history. We are spoiled brats. I don't know if you know it or not, but materially we are spoiled. God forbid we buy a car without cruise control. Or roll up windows. Just think the catastrophe of the hours when our automatic washer breaks. We're spoiled materially in America. 
while somebody tells us that she's not great any longer. We are the most generous nation in history. We bomb them, destroy them, then rebuild them. And get treated like a dog by France because we did it. Make America great again? I don't know when she ever lost her greatness. It's all on emphasis. And where you're putting your emphasis. America has the greatest emphasis on missions. That is sending the gospel to the unsaved more than any other nation in the history of mankind. Israel had the opportunity and blew it. And now America is sending missionaries all over the world and have been for years. Multitudes have been saved. Churches have been built. Homes have been changed. Lives has been salvaged. All because of America has been willing to spend and be spent. Americans. They're pretty good Joes if you ask me. America affords the greatest opportunity to our youth than any other nation in the world. I have some good news. And some bad news, but not fake news. America has never been perfect. America is not perfect. And America will never be perfect. But to me, she's been Great. Now you might be stuck in the wrong side of the hog. You might be running on the wrong end of the mule. But for me, America has been great. And I'd like to preach you a message today on how to keep America great. First Timothy chapter number two, please, in your Bible for just a moment. I want to say America is a great place to live. America is not perfect like heaven, but much better than any of the other choices I know of on this earth. If you'll notice, there's no fences to keep us in. But we need to build walls to keep others out. Opportunities abound in this great country. America is a crazy place if you really think about it. In America only, only in America, 
Can a pizza get to your house faster than an ambulance? <laughs> when you think about it, only in America are there handicapped parking places in front of a skating rink. <laughs> it's a crazy place, but it's a great place. Only in America do people order double cheeseburgers, large fries, and a Diet Coke. <laughs> Only in America. She's been great to me. Only in America do you drive by these beautiful large homes with multi-thousand dollar automobiles sitting in a driveway and the garage full of junk. Only in America. Much is being said today about what's wrong with America. And I agree we have our issues. And I agree we have our setbacks and our fall downs and our stumblings. I agree. Our schools are controlled by humanists and socialists and liberals. It's unfair to our children to read the Bible to them 10 minutes a day and send them off into a hellistic, heathenistic school system for eight hours. Then punish them for acting like what they've been taught all day. Our churches are cold, callous, and contemporary. We may believe the Bible, but we no longer practice it. We read it, but we fail to live it. We give in to the temptation for athletics, entertainment, and treat God as if he were a left shoe. But that's not America's fault. That's not the government's fault. Our schools are a mess. Our churches are cold. Our government is corrupt, crooked, and corroding. When John Tower was nominated as Secretary of Defense in the early 80s, his question character came into view. But the former Senator Barry Goldwater said, if we chase every man or woman out of this town, meaning Washington, who has shacked up with somebody or gotten drunk, there'd be no government. And Bill Clinton didn't help it much. Our government 
It's corrupt. And it's quickly corroding before our very eyes. With all that is wrong, with all that is bad, she's still the greatest country in all the world. And I'm exceedingly proud to be called an American. And Paul gives us a formula by which we can keep America great. 1 Timothy 2, I read for you verse one through four, I exhort, Paul said, I exhort therefore that first of all, before you go vote, first of all, before you pick a candidate, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. Paul gives us a formula here today on how we who believe the word of God, believe in the God of heaven, how we can keep America great. And it's not by voting He said, first of all, we need to pray for America. We need to pray for those who are in authority, for kings and presidents and leadership of this great nation. Our freedom didn't come cheap. But I want to share with you patriotism, although they may say it's dead, Patriotism is not dead. Because while we enjoy the air conditioning and the comforts of this sanctuary today, around the world there are patriots who's laying their life on the line for freedom, for liberty, and for you and for I who complain about what we have. Patriotism is only dead in the minds of those who care to do nothing and complain about it all the time they're doing nothing. Because there are still patriots in America. And America don't need to get great. She is already great. She can be better, but she'll never be perfect. Because you live here that killed the perfection. And if you're looking for a perfect church, don't join it, you'll ruin it. (laughs) 
may I say to you today, uh, they are, uh, va- there is a vast amount of difference in freedom of religion and freedom from religion. Our forefathers believed in freedom of religion, not freedom from religion. The liberals will have you to believe that our Constitution teaches freedom from religion. But that's not true at all. Our founding fathers believed in Christian principles. They believed in the Word of God. They believed in prayer. Just to hang a little key on the knob of your life, you do know where we got our three branches of government. The executive branch, the judicial branch, and the legislative branch. Just a coincidence, I suppose, that in our founding fathers' minds, they come up with just three branches. I wonder, is there any significance to that? Or did just some of those 56 men say, let's just pick a number? Or do you think maybe they were reading Isaiah thirty-three twenty-two, where we find these words, the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. Oh, the Lord our judge, judicial branch. Oh, the Lord our lawgiver, the legislative branch. The Lord our King, the executive branch. You see, our forefathers believed in Christian principles and the Word of God. You do know why there are 31 state senators in Texas. You do know why there's 150 state representatives in the state of Texas. You do know that, I'm sure. Well, because there's 31 Proverbs. And there's 150 Psalms. And when they made up and formed the governments of our land, they used this book as a blueprint. So no, the Constitution does not teach freedom from religion. The Constitution teaches the freedom of religion. I hope you're not mad. The 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence pledged their lives their fortunes 
and their sacred honor. What's it cost us to keep America great? What are we willing to throw in the pot? Or do we just want to sit around and complain and gripe because everything's a mess? Well, maybe we're the reason it's a mess. But for me, America has been awful good to me. Don't want you shouting now. I don't want you to get out of hand. A quote I read this morning, it cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists but by Christians. Not on religion but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Patrick Henry said that. The question I would ask for you today, can you do more good griping and complaining about America or praying for America? Which would help you more? Complaining and griping Protesting, texting, (laughs) or praying. Paul said, first of all, you need to text. (laughs) Text your concerns so that you can mix up, confuse, and befuddle everybody who's reading your text. No, he said, first of all, We need to pray. We need to supplicate. We need to put our heart in to praying for this great country. My Bible said, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. If you don't like our president texting, pray and tell God to break his finger or something. But my God, quit complaining. If you don't like not having any health care, do like I do. Go buy it. Amen. Or like I did for years, do without it. Coal oil still works on a lot of things. Castor oil make your kids feel better every time. <laughs> it don't do them no good. It just says they'll get better to keep having drinking the stuff. <laughs> Man, if we stepped on a nail, cut our toes, slid our hand, mama said, son, go get the coal oil. And I was just hoping she didn't want me to drink it. <laughs> but my soul, We're drowning in materialism. We're driving better cars than we've ever driven, living in homes better than we've ever lived. We're living higher on the hog than the hog ever seemed to get 
and we're complaining about making America great again. Give me a break. She has never ceased being great to me. You know, like what's happening? Paul says, pray about it. Call unto me. And I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. America has defeated her foes time and time and time again. Like Israel with just a handful of folk drove back the Arabs, the Egyptians, and on and on in, in the 48 and then in 67, I'm telling you, if God is on our side, we are winners at every hand. Thank God for America. Thank God for the opportunities that's afforded in America. If you don't like what's going on, if you like where you are, then my soul quit complaining and start praying. The solution is not in Washington. The solution is in heaven. I read the other day, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Do you believe that or not? Then stop watching fake news and let me tune you in to good news. Is there anybody here? Paul said, first of all, pray right. Secondly of all, live right. The latter part of verse two, watch this. That we may lead a quiet and peaceful life free from war, in all godliness and honesty. If you want to change America, change you. Because that's the only one you have anything to do with. See, I married a husband. He's not hardly like I want, but I'll change him. Well, you won't like what you change him into. Pray right. Live right. Make the Bible your standard of living. Proverbs writer wrote, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Sin has disgraced God's name and our nation. Divorce is soaring in America. 
Well, it won't be long till there won't be any divorces because there ain't nobody marrying. Teen pregnancies is commonplace and one half of them end up in abortion. Sin is a disgrace to God and to our nation. Pornography, what can I say? Available as near as the power button on your cell phone. No longer do you have to go to the store and buy it. You're walking around with it in your pocket. I wish they were in your pocket. Most of the time I see folks, they're in their hands. Pornography. Transgender. Same sex marriage. Sexual abuse, homosexuality. I think have disgraced our country, our God, and our culture and our society. That's not plain enough. I'll say it again. Paul said, pray. Paul said, live right. I just wonder what it takes to get America's attention. I was raised on a farm. You never tell that. I'm so suave and polished. Had a lot of dealings with horse traders, dog jockeys, and the likes. They're the ones who taught salesmen like Brother Ringo here. <laughs> Farmer had a mule for sale. Put an ad in the paper. Work mule for sale. Wonderful mule, do anything you want done. So his neighbor read his dad came over and said, uh, well, this mule will pull a plow. I said, yes, sir, he'll pull a plow. I said, you guarantee him to pull a plow? I said, yes, sir, he'll pull a plow. And what do you want for him? The fellow told him and he bought the mule and took him home. Hooked the mule up to the plow. Got the lines in his hands, around his back, hands on the plow. I said, get up. He's a Baptist mule. He just stood there. <laughs> get up. The guy yelled and screamed till he's red in the face. Tried everything in the world to get that mule to plow, and that mule was not pulling that plow. The guy bought the mule, went to the neighbor and said, Say, you sold me a fake mule. That mule does not know what get up means. He won't move. He just stands there. The guy said, uh-oh, I forgot to give you the key to the engine on that mule. I'll be by tomorrow with the key to the engine to that mule. The guy said, all right. So sure enough, about 10 o'clock, here comes the guy in his old pickup truck, drove up into the driveway, out into the field where the mule was hooked to the plow, harness and all. 
The old boy got out of his truck, reached back in the back of the truck, got a two foot four, about four foot long. He walked up and looked at that mule right in the eye and took that two by four and went whop and hit that mule right between the ears. That mule staggered and he said, now get up. And the mule started pulling the plow. The fellow said, first of all, you got to get the mule's attention. Now what do you think God's got to do to get our attention? Another 911? Another Vietnam? Paul said, What we better start doing is praying for those in authority and for the leadership and for the direction which our country is going. And we need to change the only little spot in this world we can change, and that's the one where we're standing. Pray right, do right. I close. You said, I wish you'd done that a little while ago. Verse 3 and 4. I close. How can we keep America great? We can pray for America. We can live like Americans ought to live. And then, and this is in good in the, and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved. We need to share Christ with America. I pray for our president. I voted for our president. But my confidence is in Christ. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. To all that believe to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. You want to keep America great. We need to keep America Christian. We need to share Christ. We need to do it everywhere we go. All the time we need to do it. Because the unbelieving world is shouting out its message and not ashamed of it at all. The gays and the lesbians are speaking out and our leaders are listening, if you please. That's why we have bathroom bills and that's why we have transgenderism and that's why we have accepted homosexuality and that's why our schools are teaching our kids that it's an acceptable lifestyle. You know why? Because that crowd are not ashamed of their message. They're shouting it to the top of their voice. 
They'll do it on bicycles, Rolls Royce, or Lexus automobiles. They don't care. They're shouting their message. The abortionists are speaking out, and our liberals are listening, and abortion is on the rise. The liberals are speaking out, and our leaders are listening. Thusly, our family values are down the tube, if you please. While we, Christians, are the majority in America, but we have become the silent majority. God, help us. Give us a backbone again. Give us some old-fashioned guts again, some old-fashioned in fortitude, bless your heart. That's not a shame of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, help us to keep America great by praying and living right and sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Somebody says, you're going to have a heart attack. It's my heart and it's my attack. Hollywood's not ashamed of their message, but we're ashamed of ours. We've become the sad Silent majority. God help us. I read one time, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me. God help us. The disciples, after they've been incarcerated and beaten, and threatened. And the religious and the liberal crowd of the day said, you keep your mouth shut about Jesus. And they said, we cannot but speak of the things which we have heard and seen. You want to know what will help America? Tell them what you got in your heart. Tell him about who you accepted one day and he changed your life completely. Tell him that one day somebody moved into your your life and flipped on the light switch and darkness dispelled and the light of heaven flooded your soul. Even if you got to lie about it. Tell him. God expects us God expects us to use the freedom that our forefathers provided for us to share the glorious gospel to all who need Christ would you be willing to do your share in keeping America great. Before I have a heart attack, our forefathers claimed this nation for God. America is the only nation I know of that was formed by people who were searching for God and not for gold. And our forefathers 
made a lot of mistakes like we're making today even still. But our forefathers claimed this nation for God. Would you be one with me to help reclaim it for God? Would you be willing to do your share of praying, of living, of witnessing about this great and glorious God we serve? On the way home from church one day, sitting in the front seat of the car, little Susie looked over at mom and said, Mommy, the preacher said something today I just can't understand. Susie's mother said, Well, what is that? Susie said this morning, the preacher said that God was so big he could hold the whole world in his hand. Mommy, Is that true? And mother looked at Susie and said, yes, Susie, that's true. God is so big that he holds the whole world in his hand. Susie said also, mommy, the preacher said this morning that God comes to live within the heart of the person who accepts Christ as their Savior. Mommy, is that right? Mommy said, Susie, yes. God is so big, he can hold the whole world in his hand and yet lives in the heart of every born-again Christian. Susie, with a puzzled look on her face, said, well, Mommy, if God is so big and he lives within us, wouldn't he shine through? What does people see when they see us? If God is so big and he lives in our heart, Wouldn't he show through? That'll help America more than our vote did if we'll pray and live and witness for him.